0: Hi, welcome to this episode of This I Can Do Podcast. A podcast where you meet people like me who are building a life where creativity meets impact. You see and hear and watch and think about so many things on a day-to-day basis. Wouldn't it be great if you could listen to voices who matter? People who take their place seriously in the world but also still maintain a sense of joy and curiosity about where they are and where they're headed. On this show, creativity meets impact one cup of tea at a time. I am your host. My name is Josephine Karianjahi, and I'm really looking forward to sharing with you what exactly it is that drives me and drives other people to think, I want to build a career in creativity. I want to live a life of impact. So let's start off with a little bit of an intro into how my heart feels about this podcast. Take a listen. This week I had a great conversation with somebody who defines the rules or unrules of creativity. Mary Lou Cook said, Creativity is inventing, experimenting, growing, taking risks, breaking rules, making mistakes, and having fun. My guest today has had a journey that has entered into that realm where you think about invention, you think about making mistakes, you think about taking risks and above all growing. We talked about a lot of things, dreamscapes, the indelible memory of a kind friend from childhood. And also we thought and explored what it would look like to have a creative impact in the space where you're a multi-hyphenate, a storyteller, a photographer, a person of words. I got to speak with Marcus Olang and I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed recording it. Let's get into it. Hello Marcus. Karibu (laughs) sana.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
0: Yes, it's been a long time coming, and thank you so much for saying yes to coming on to the pod.
1: Ah, you're a wonderful human being. It, was, it's, it would be a very difficult thing to say no to you, surely. <laughs> you,
0: you, you should keep that in mind as we get into the interview. <laughs> keep that positive view.
1: I don't think I'll rescind it. I don't think I will. I can, I can separate the questions from the human being.
0: Oh, nice. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Yes, but before we get into the interview proper, proper now, let Uh me tell the people who you are, according to the internet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Marcus Olag is a Kenyan, Nairobi-based writer-photographer, a threader of stories in both word and picture as he describes himself. He is a photographer, a radio and breakfast host. He's worked in the ad world and he's got significant strategy, brand experience and planning chops. As a photographer, he has such a wide ranging portfolio so that showcases his work on documentaries, product photography, individual portraiture, couple portraiture, wedding photography, group and family, portraits, all of them. But more than that, Marcus has also taken part in awareness-raising campaigns and conversations around online bullying, addressing gender-based violence, and conversations around destigmatizing shame, especially as it's understood in relation to masculinity. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome, Marcus.
1: Thank you. Thank you. The crowd goes wild in my head. Ooh. They are cheering,
0: cheering. <laughs> you
1: did your research. Yes.
0: I, I, I am a thorough investigator.
1: <laughs> ooh, ooh. Okay, okay, okay. Now, hey, now I, I don't know what the questions will look like because uh, see, now the interview is over because uh, everything is there.
0: Everything is there, but there's a lot to talk about.
1: <laughs> I, I felt, yes. <clears throat> uh-huh.
0: When you were young and you were in school, what were you known for
1: ah uh, that was i think two things um one uh i was so it's it's a, <laughs> it's both sides of the spectrum uh one is a positive the other one is um some things that i'm working through with my therapist mm-hmm. um on the positive side uh i was A lot of times known as the person to beat when it comes to academics and school. I was very keen on my books, my reading, my schoolwork. I have a very quick and sharp understanding of things. Mm -hmm. So that played to my advantage in terms of my um, schoolwork. Also helped that we didn't have electricity as I was growing up. So all the entertainment I had was books, therefore, translated quite well. Mm. On the flip side, so I have always generally been this big... uh, Big human being, mm-hmm. which when you're short and big, you tend to look like a drum. Oh. K- kids can be mean, eh? kids mm. can be mean. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, th- those are things that I am still working through with my therapist. So, yes,
0: I hear you. Like, it's one of the things that I'm always curious about because we always remember the ones who are noisemakers, remember the ones who are number one in class. And then there's the rest of everybody, like there's like 45 to 100 kids you are in the same year with. And I wonder what they remember. Because when I think of like when when we were young, I remember the one who used to share lunch, the ones used to bring birthday cakes to school, the ones Mm -hmm. who who were first body in playing. So I remember people so differently. Yes. And then they remember me differently as well. So I'm always curious to hear what you are known for. Yes, and maybe somebody who's listening will be like, "Yeah, but that guy was so cool in school. Like he was my guy. Like we were friends. Like you know, haven't talked to him in a long time. What's up, my guy?" As in something like that. So I, I, that always surprises yeah. me in a good way.
1: Yeah. These now that you mentioned it, when you talk about the different categories of people, there is immediately two that have come to mind. Um, one there was a there was a guy called Brian. Mm-hmm. um and uh, at that point in time he had an older sister who was i think three classes ahead of us called bev uh, i remember brian because mm. his his folks his mom used to pack for him the most kick ass um rice and beans for lunch <laughs> people would flock to him imagine people flocking to a person For rice and beans in primary school, that's not the meal that you think to yourself that children will flock towards. But there was just something about how their mom cooked that meal that I have never understood to this day. That's Brian. Then there is someone who is, um, to this day, someone that I genuinely um, love and adore. She's called Mm Wangari. I remember her distinctly from class three. Um, and now this goes back to now uh, one of the things that I am working with with the the therapist there, being a fat kid kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Now, in class three, um, I don't remember what the teacher talked about, what what the teacher was talking about. Yeah. But at some point, a reference was made to, you know, people who are fat. And I remember um, the vast majority of the class looking towards me and uh, laughing. Mm. And then out of... This voice of this this chorus of laughter, I hear a voice very firm and very aware of herself
0: Mm -hmm.
1: saying very firmly, No, he's not fat, he's plum. Mm. Which marks the first time I heard the word plum. Yes. But two, and that's a lesson that stayed with me to this day. Mm I think that is that that was the one of the only times in the entire first decade of my life where mm. I felt seen. Yeah, because this was someone who was speaking up.
0: Mm.
1: And the lesson that I took out of that was you have to, if you're in a space where something is of that nature is happening, mm-hmm. you have to speak up because you don't know the kind of impact that it'll have on someone else. Mm. Why have I gone down this tangent?
0: Because we're talking about the kids you remember. You know, the people who stand out for you. And if you're listening, Wangare, you are still a hero. Yes. Thank you.
1: Very much so, to this day.
0: Oh, nice. As in, I love that example because it really helps me understand like where you've come with your process. And just thinking through, like how did you develop your voice? And I, I read something you wrote recently. Well, actually, it's something you said. You said uh, on the recent Legally Clueless video series, Adele Onyango's show, hey Adele, uh, you said, life for me is about stories and the stories I am involved in telling. It's about going in a path that I believe in and using that path to share good things that other people are doing in the world and reminding people through that that there is this powerful human being in you. It's just that everyday rigors of life keep stifling that. That's you.
1: <laughs> you know, it's a very hearing it said to to myself is a whole other story. I mean, I I know I say such things, but half the time I don't remember saying them. I really don't. Actually, half is half is generous. Ninety percent of the time I don't remember saying them but it is a thing i believe in um i mean it's part of what guides why i went back into photography i i firmly believe that in every space that that we are in regardless of what it feels like to ourselves and this i'm saying loudly to myself as well yeah regardless of what we feel mm-hmm. there is value there's are these are an an invaluable contribution we can bring and we are bringing to any space we're in, mm-hmm. regardless of the context. And I like reminding people of that. I need to remind myself more often of that. Mm-hmm. But again, this is why my therapist exists. Let's,
0: let me ask you, so one of the things that kept popping up for you
1: uh-huh.
0: is that your story is one of saying, hey, I stopped my entire life And I restarted and I've been working through my things with therapy, with, you know, like connecting with people who are also in the same space. So how has that shaped how you engage with people as a creative? Like, what are some of the things that going to therapy has gifted you?
1: I think one of the biggest things is empathy. Um, Yeah, one of the biggest things, definitely the ability to empathize. I don't... I don't think empathy is an inherent thing. I think pe- there are some people that mm-hmm. are born with um, an inherent ability to feel what other people are feeling. Mm-hmm. However, there are some people who develop empathy as a um, an adaptive uh, response to certain traumas. There are some people who who just have to build that muscle. Mm -hmm. I am not sure where along those I lie. I am definitely sure about the fact that I have had to, um, and I have learned to grow my um, empathy muscle, as it were. And that's one of the things that therapy has been for me. Um, And only because Mm -hmm. that space in which you're forced to reflect on yourself Um, I use the word forced very loosely, of course. Yeah. Being in that space that facilitates you reflecting on yourself and asking yourself, okay, I did this or I felt this. Mm -hmm. Why did I do this? Being able to look at yourself in the mirror and seeing those things, it creates an ability to see such things in other people and makes it a lot easier to, before jumping to judge someone for a thing that they did, Going back and thinking, okay, maybe there's something that happened. Maybe when they were leaving home, um, someone that they otherwise would trust Mm -hmm. made them feel less than what they are. And therefore, they don't know how to react to that and they are behaving differently today than they otherwise would have. Maybe it's a case of someone who once had a voice and over time because of work and because of abusive workspaces or being in abusive relationships, they learned how to stifle their own voices, developing the ability to ask, okay, maybe something happened. That I think is at the heart of what I have taken out of majority of what my therapy has been. Mm -hmm. And I am indebted to that process for that.
0: Hey, that's a whole gift it's a really big gift that you're talking through and i i ask again and again about therapy because still even though there's a lot of people in in us a lot of our inner child and you know our later adult and our current person we are still wondering who we are and a lot of the people who grew up in a in, in the nairobi let me say as i grew up in nairobi Therapy was when you're sick, Mm. like you've been taken out of school, taken out of work. You've not been able to proceed. And the first time I heard somebody talk about therapy, there was someone who came back, um, an old girl from my high school. And she was given a chance to give a talk about how she's successful. She's gone to South Africa and she's built this life. And I don't remember what else she said, but she said, girls, just pull your ears closer. Let me tell you one thing. There's no shame in therapy. Mm. There is no shame in asking for help. And there is no way you will not reap returns from investing in your mental health. And I think we were 17, 16 years old at the time. And I had never heard a person who's supposed to be giving a motivational talk talk about mental health. So it's powerful. I mean, for me, it was so powerful at that age. And I, I wonder when you first heard it.
1: <laughs> that's really an amazing thing to hear at that point. And, and that, the person that shared that, that's a, that's a beautiful soul. Because that's not a thing that you typically hear from such talks.
0: No, I was very shocked. Because she was saying, this was my experience. So She talked about burnout. She talked about looking for a therapist who understood her context and she said girls this will this will come up later now you're very bubbly you're very energetic most of you but life happens and life had happened to a lot of us but we hadn't processed it yep <laughs> yeah exactly so and i think that's such a big part about when i think about your story's journey cuz you know, at the heart of what I found out about you is that your product photography, for example, is driven by a larger aim of, you know, of showing how particular products are put to use in everyday life and integrating this into, you know, the, the client and what the brand needs for their goals. But what I'm hearing from you is a reminder that your photography also reminds those who encounter it who you know, kind of immerse themselves in your work, see an everyday beauty and the story behind it and your kind of thumbprint, your view of the world.
1: Joe, can can I can I borrow that entire thing from a marketing spiel? <laughs> sure. sure thing. That's that's just yes, that that is that is exactly what I do. <laughs>
0: And for the record, people, it's very hard to give like for Marcus to be like spellbound at silence. (laughs) This is a man of the words.
1: (laughs) Like that's perfect. That's you've encapsulated what I seek to do. Yes.
0: Haya. (laughs) You've heard it first. (laughs) But there's more. It's like so, what I saw from your website, you give context, like what happened before the photo happened, and then whether it's like whatever, whether it was in your mind or before the picture was taken, or kind of what was happening before this picture. And then you expand the story that you capture by photograph beyond the picture. And I think that's something that. A lot of creative struggle with. So, you know, you've done a big job, right? You've created a life where, in in addition to story threading through photography and writing, you've built a life speaking up for so many and shifting the narrative, like changing the stories about us as Africans, about men, about African men, about young African men. And also, especially in this space of ours, like KOT is a toxic place. It
1: it it can be. I, I see I see pockets of goodness. I also see yeah. pockets of toxicity. Um, but yes, it it can it can shift either side, yes.
0: I would say probably the most critical feedback I got about your engagement online is that he says a lot but he always says what needs saying how do you feel about that
1: i mean i see i see i see what that person may have meant um and and i guess it's a thing of um so there's this thing that a lot of people uh, that a lot of people tend to believe in that when you're in an online space you need to be curating a brand and you need to be talking about the things that drive your brand and you need to be focused mm. on what your brand is Um, which I get because, you know, a lot of why we are online is to further our agendas. And a lot of that agenda usually is money-related. And being money-related, that also then means that it's often directly tied to our direct lines of work. Mm. However, I tend to see it differently. Um, I see my presence online as something of an extension Not of who I am, but of what I believe in. Because Mm -hmm. if I'm presenting something different online than I am in real life, then I am lying. Mm. And one of those uh, facades will have to break at some point. Mm. As opposed to me living my thoughts as I freely uh, live them, Mm -hmm. which then would then contribute to the part of, well, he speaks a lot. I do. I speak about a vast majority of things. I will tweet about um, uh, my photography in one tweet. The Mm -hmm. next tweet, I'll talk about how um, it is difficult to run a business in this country as an entrepreneur and as a creative entrepreneur at that. Um, The next tweet, I'll talk about the structural inefficiencies in this country. Um, I'll then talk about how we are, how I have benefited in my privilege as being a man and the lessons I have learned from it, mm-hmm. um, how, how, my cha- how my mind and my thought process has changed today um, as opposed to where it was five years ago. And that's what life is. Life is not a single faceted thing. It's waking up in the morning to um, figuring out the mundane stuff, to figuring out the big tentpole stuff. And for as long as I feel the need to share it, I will. So, yeah, I I get what that person was saying. I do.
0: And also, like, you talk about, you do appreciate people a lot. Like, you spend, I think, some of your time appreciating people. And that's really missing overall online. A lot of times, like you said, it's very much about, this is my job. This is what I do for my job. This is what needs to be said about the politics of the day or the economics of the day or what's happening socially. So what does that practice do for you? Like that gratitude?
1: It's a reminder that I am not the center of the world. Mm. Um, That's number one. Uh, It's very easy to get lost in. It's very easy to get lost in your own hype and in your own world. Um, But beyond that, so that's, that's a selfish reason why I do it. It's a reminder that there's a lot more that I need to uh, have my eyes open to. But more than that, it goes back to the lesson that Wangari taught me, Mm. that in a world where it's very easy to be laughed at and mocked, there is value in hearing someone say, I see who you are, I see what you're doing, I see you as a human being. And I appreciate you for choosing to exist and to share your light with us. I see you. That is that in itself is a transformative thing. And I can attest to how transformative it is to just hear that one thing that affirms the importance of your existence here. Mm. Mm. Yeah.
0: And we need it. We need it so much now. I think there's been so much loss and grief and it's just, there's a lot of distraction, like just negative distraction. A lot of people feeling like they're very isolated and disconnected. And it really, like you said, it's on the one hand, it's for you, but it's a lot for everybody else as well. So in, in, in this pod, I think we spend a lot of time thinking about what does creativity feel like for you? So can we do some dreaming? (laughs) So I'll ask a couple of questions. Okay. And then we will kind of travel to a place in the past and then a place in the future. And then we'll come back to the present.
1: Okay, cool.
0: Is there a time that you'd like to share when you are very curious to try something and give it a chance, even though it's terrified you and how did it change?
1: I'm falling silent for a moment because I think that's part of how I live life. Yeah. So I'm trying to recall that. I, I, I think there'd be two points. Um, one was a point at which... Wait, I need to anchor myself back in the question.
0: Uh, one of the things that I love about being a storyteller is being able to draw from my own life. But being able to tell a story about an ordinary day in my childhood could involve telling a story about the day when we went for our friend's confirmation. No, it was actually a baptism. And I walked into the baptismal water, but I was not part of the baptism. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And explaining to people how (laughs) this was at Nairobi Chapel Mm -hmm. (laughs) after the ceremony, I Mm -hmm. literally walked in and was half baptized. And hearing the how can you tell people such stories?
1: Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Do you not feel shame saying that? You hide it.
0: (laughs) Uh That kind of thing. But for Mm -hmm. my storytelling, it's important to be able to tell stories about me, not my friend (laughs) me. Yeah. So for you when you're thinking about a moment when you are super curious and you wanted to dig into your creative expression, what's one thing that you've tried even though it's terrified you?
1: I think photography has been the scariest thing I've ever done. And this is why. Um, So my rational mind, so to speak, tends to like a sense of predictability and stability, which therefore means that um, for the vast majority of my adult life, um, of my working adult life, I have um, tended towards um, areas and spaces where things like my income and such is guaranteed because I like to know that based on this amount that I have, I can plan this and this and this. And based on that, I can do this and that and that. Um, that fundamentally shifted. I think the first point that shifted was in, um, in 2012 when my girlfriend at the time was a photographer. And um, at that point in time, I was transitioning out of radio. Where was I going into? I had no idea. Um. So she handed me, so she hands me her camera, um, and simply because it's in my hands, and I have watched her, and at that point, um, other photographers uh, within that circle doing that, I try and start simply capturing images around the house, and f- from that moment, something is triggered a love that I did not understand was triggered. Um, So from that point, that's where my first run of photography was. But that only lasted, I think, the best of, say, six months before I chose to go back into employment because, again, stability. But the curiosity still remained. So every year without fail, um, the only time it didn't happen was last year. But every year from 2012, um, or rather from 2013, I would photograph a concert um, that usually happens in October every year by Tokutukuza Trust. So regardless of what happens, every year I would still go and photograph that. So that would, that would be my way of satiating in, uh, that curiosity but come what was it um around 2018 and i'm in a so so this 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 curiosity this spark i'm at that point using photography as um i'd not call it an outlet as something to refill my store, as it were um but then in 2018 2017 actually i'm in a space where the work environment is toxic as all hell. And the only thing I can think about at that time is I need to get out. Get out to do what I have no idea, but I need to get. I need an out. Um, so I resign, leave that job. But at the back of my mind, there's still this thing. There's still this thing. There's still this, this love that I have. And that's where curiosity meets a scary decision. And it's a scary decision to, okay, we're going to start investing in photography, investing in gear, investing in training, investing in going down this path. But because I'm not yet fully confident in it, um, I still have a another job that I'm still uh, doing part-time consulting in a different agency. Um, then 2020 happens. Um, I I don't think I need to rehash the events of 2020. I think by this point, um, pretty much everyone listening to this pod uh, has an idea, even somewhat vague, about how 2020 played out vaguely somewhere. (laughs) True, true. But
0: Uh even at the worst times in human history, there is somebody who it did not really affect. Like, they had enough buffers or they had I have a name in
1: my hand already.
0: (laughs) You know, there's somebody who... (laughs) who, They, they, you know, they they heard about the pandemic, but Mm -hmm. to them it just meant that they were going to stay in a place of comfort with a lot of resources. Mm -hmm, And that was it. So I don't know that everybody knows...
1: Yeah, yeah, hmm, I get that. I get that. There's some people who are children of, um, who who are born to generational wealth, as it were, so, um, and who are in positions of power that are hereby remaining unnamed at this moment.
0: There are so many. Um,
1: anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah. So just acknowledging that we don't have the same 24 hours, and we didn't have the same 2020.
1: This is true. That is a true story. That is a very true story.
0: But back to the photography that was in 2020. So,
1: 2020. Um, so, so even in spite of everything that happened in 2020, that actually because of it, um, a clarity in, in that entire situation emerged, and which was now what brings us back to this, that I really love telling stories, and I'm good, I'm very good at telling them through written word, but I also love telling them through still photography. Yeah. And with that, despite the terror, despite every form of, um, every thread of logic that would say, this is now the time to look for a job, Mm -hmm. that is now the time when I doubled down into it because I wanted to see what it was like to tell actual stories in the middle of the chaos, to bring light in the middle of all the darkness that is happening, to bring a spot of of sunshine and and color. Um, And it's a thing that I used to do. I don't know how I dropped off from doing it. For example, every day I would share a picture of a flower or a picture of the sky, Mm -hmm. simply as a reminder that in the midst of everything, yeah, we can remain fascinated and curious about the most mundane things. right. The little things. So it's that it's 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 that constant and everyday drive to find beauty in everyday little things, in fabric on my seat, in a flower that's growing right outside my house, in a walk in Karura. Um, in driving down a road and just looking at the color on the traffic lights, mm-hmm. it's everywhere if we choose to see it, yeah, and that now becomes how I feed and fuel my curiosity and learn how to see the little things and make those things the stories that matter because it's very easy to overlook them,
0: yeah,,
1: it really is.
0: It really is. And when you're thinking about things that make you afraid, how cool is it that the everyday kind of tampers that fear? It doesn't fully go away. I mean, we all want to make sure that there's a little bit of predictability in our income. There's a way that we've been, you know, we've been raised to, to see the world and just be realistic, whatever that means. And don't take up artistic projects, and don't make bad art. Don't try and take, you know, just everyday moments. But those are actually the ones that that you're saying. Like for me, I see that beauty, but I don't see it on the days when things are hard. And I think those reminders
1: need to come back. I I, I will resume them. I will. I will.
0: Hey, that's cool. <laughs>
1: There's something that you've mentioned that has triggered the thought. If, if I may go on a slight tangent again. And I think another one of the scary things about practicing my photography mm-hmm. is the fact that, and, and this is a true story, there are in every moment at minimum 10,000 people who are 10 times better than I am. Sure. And I'm very comfortable saying that despite yeah. how scary it is for me to admit it to myself because admitting that is admitting that I am not the best at what I do, which is true. I am not. I, am, I have a deep love and a deep respect and a deep um, passion for what I do. I work every day to become better at my craft. But every time I look around in the world, I just need to open my Instagram and see someone who has executed the same thing a hundred times better than I have. And that's a scary thing to see. It's a terrifying thing to see. However, giving it the context, and and, and this is where, again, my everyday reminders come into play. Um, There is so much sky. There is so much sky Mm. that is available to every single one of us.
0: Yeah.
1: That in as scary as that moment is to see people who are better than I am, I also know for a fact that there's no need to compete with them Mm -hmm. because it's not a competition. We each have a role and we each have a part in creating life and creating magic. And someone who is um, portraying it a different way than I am is simply sharing their perspective as I share mine. Mm -hmm. So it's terrifying, but it's also life-affirming.
0: Yeah, and it's... it's It's rooted in realness. It's in that sense of wonder that you express that indeed there are people creating. And you're maybe, like you said, you're not the best at what you're doing, but you're the only person who is most willing to try to do it your way. And I think that's really, it's like it's something we all struggle with, but you've put it so clearly. Um, A good friend of mine says to me that everybody can talk, whether positively, negatively, but it takes something special to be a doer. Just to try, just to say, you know what? I woke up, I turned on whatever it is I could. I was grateful for the opportunity to start thinking about something creatively. And then I felt like I have a community of people who would appreciate this somewhere out there. So I put it out there. Um, But I like the tangent you took because it lets me now zoom us into the future. So no one can predict what will happen. You know, 2020 in case, 2021, again, in another case in point. So for you, it sounds like there might be a dream day in your future. And imagine, so I want you to imagine yourself at some point in the future. Maybe it's a year from now, maybe five years from now, maybe 10, living the life of your dreams. This is a normal day, not a holiday or a special day. Rather, it's a typical and perfect every day, like a, just a normal day. Could you walk us through a part of the day? Even if it's like the morning, if you're a morning person, the evening, if you're an evening person. Tell us what do you see, what do you feel, what do you hear, and who's there with you? So just describe it in present tense.
1: I wake up in the morning and I'm woken up by um, the sound of waves crashing against the shore. Um, I am right, my house is right by the beach. Um, specifically, Diani Beach. I do not know why that beach has a uh, hold on me. There's something spiritual to that beach. And that That is something I firmly believe in. Um, I wake up, I walk out, and the sun is rising um, or is, has just risen. So the golden, um, the golden hues, the orange hues are rich in the sky uh, on the horizon and I'm looking at that, I'm listening to the waves crashing, both close to me enveloping my feet as well as in the distance um, at the coral line Um, and I'm walking down the beach uh, taking that sight in taking um, the vastness of it all in a reminder that that moment is a moment that matters and yet at the same time, it's a moment that doesn't matter. I'll explain that. Um, we, we, we tend to imagine that what is presently before us, especially in moments of crisis, we tend to imagine that what is presently before us is the end of everything unless we fix it at that particular moment in time, which is not true because if you look at something that that would have worried me um, as a teenager, that's a whole different thing to what would worry me now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the, what what I thought mattered then doesn't matter now. But it doesn't negate the fact that it mattered then. So this moment matters, and it also doesn't matter at the same time. And that's, I feel, what the ocean in part represents for me. But that's my morning. Um, mm-hmm. I do my walk down the beach. Um, Come back to the house, have my heavy breakfast, uh, which is a staple that I do. I have a heavy meal as the first thing of the day because we never know how the day goes. So I have to be well uh, padded for what may be ahead because we don't know how it goes. And then somewhere along that day, I have a shoot. The nature of that shoot. I, I have no idea. I am open to it. As long as I am behind my lens, I am happy and I am in that moment. And that's a thing that makes me incredibly satisfied in that moment. So I have a shoot somewhere along that, um, somewhere in that day, um, telling a story of uh, a person or of a thing that I have seen or of a place that I have seen uh whatever that moment is capturing that story and sharing it in the way that I first I share my stories um then uh, later on return to my house which is my sanctuary um come in make myself uh, either a cup of uh, black tea because lactose has become a problem in our lives because of reasons we don't understand but the body is the body um, or have a shot of rum on ice and again sit as I watch the as I watch the ocean for a bit again um, the person that I love being next to me... Um, And then when the evening arrives, another walk again as the sun sets. Come back to the house and fall asleep to the sound of waves. That that is a wonderful day. That is a day that I hope and pray is coming soon on a regular basis. Sounds perfect. It's perfect in my mind. It is.
0: Thank you for sharing that. We don't often get to go to Diani Beach. And for people who don't know where Diani is, it's on the south coast of Kenya. But it's more than that. A lot more than that. So please check. I'll I'll, I'll post something from there in the show notes so that you can get a sense of where that is. Thinking about the kind of work and kind of like the unpredictability of the world we're living in now. Um, and that you I know you mentioned therapy as a big part of you know just creating a space of um, tranquility, as acceptance, hope, and moving forward in a lot of would you say that you found a way to balance going for the work and finding opportunities to play?
1: I don't think I have yet. I'm still working on that. Um, I think I have found a rhythm that works for me on an everyday level. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm happy that I have finally arrived at that because that's a thing that I have arrived at pretty recently, actually. Um, so I'm happy I've arrived at a point where I can I can balance my everyday existence in terms of work and um, appreciating what's around The goal shouldn't be to find pockets of play to make the work bearable, Mm. but it should be to find ways in which life is lived such that you don't feel like you need to escape to play. Yeah, And that's something that, and that's why my answer to this question is I don't think I've gotten there yet. I thought I had, but that shifted my perspective a bit. Yeah. Um precisely because about two or three weeks ago I was in Diani mm-hmm. and it felt like such a refreshing place to be for me. And coming back to Nairobi actually felt like it felt like a weight was being placed on my shoulders as soon as I got into the city.
0: Yeah.
1: And that should not be the point, I think. I I, I don't think I'm I'm in the space in life where that should be the point. And so I don't think I have struck that balance yet. I think I am, however, very well on my way. To finding it.
0: I like that. I guess one of the things that I've thought about when I'm interviewing you and hearing what you as a creative and somebody who works actively to build a life, what is your parting shot? Like one thing you would say out of the many gems that you've dropped. What would you say to somebody who is at that point of I guess I need to try that thing. I need to try the thing that makes my heart sing. What would you tell them to make them sort of say okay, today's the day I do one thing about
1: it. I'd say despite despite what you may feel about yourself and that's a difficult that's a difficult qualification because it's a thing that I fight in myself every day as well. But despite what you think despite feeling like um this is not my best work, I can do better, or um, I'm not ready to do this thing, or um, I am not, I don't have my tools, I'm not in the space. Despite all those things that we tell ourselves in that moment, do the thing. Because you can. You, you, I, I promise you, And I'm promising myself this as I'm promising you as well. I promise you, you can do the thing. It may look like a substandard thing in that moment. You may not love the thing that you're doing in that particular moment. You you may not feel like this is a thing that you want to put out in that moment. But I promise you, and again, I say this as much to you who is here with me now as much as I'm saying it to myself. Do the thing because that thing that you're doing now is building towards something a whole lot greater and you may not see it now. In fact, there's a good chance that you are not able to see it now at all. But when that moment comes and that moment arrives, it will make sense. I don't know how it will make sense to you, but it will make sense. A thing that transformed how I think about such I used to think about life um, and what I do and the things I do as a game of chess. Every move has to be perfect. Every move has to be um, synchronized towards. I need to know what uh, the other person is doing. Um, I used to think about life as a game of chess. So everything has to be perfect for my next move. Then again, one of the many beautiful people I encounter over the course of my life said something that shifted that as well. Life is not chess, Marcus. Life is not chess. Life is Tetris.
0: <laughs>
1: you see the pieces and as the pieces are coming, you figure out where the pieces will best land. At some points, they will not land perfectly. Mm-hmm. But as more pieces continue to land, the, 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 the screen will keep shifting downwards and you'll see more space being created for more pieces to fall into place. But if you... Do nothing about it at that particular moment. If you don't move at all, if you don't even make one move, then the game is over in, what, four or five pieces mm-hmm. coming onto the screen? It's, it's not a game of chess. It's a game of Tetris. So I promise you, you can do the thing. It may not be perfect, but even in that imperfection, there's a story there. Do the thing. I promise you. It'll be worth it.
0: All right. Thank you for that. And I couldn't have said it better. I think that's part of why I call this podcast This I Can Do podcast. And we you know, we hadn't discussed how you'll say it, but it sounds like the advice is there. The moment is there. We can take things up and kind of run with them. So I don't want to end the conversation, but because (laughs) of time constraints, (laughs) it's inevitable. So thank you so much for coming to speak to us on the podcast and to share what your life, your work, your passion, and particularly where your creativity meets your impact are. And please come again to greet us and share your perfect moments and also your realness and appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Joe. This has been I, I've loved this conversation. Um thank you for inviting me. Uh I I I am happy. I am happy that we've had this conversation. I love the concept of the podcast, by the way. I just didn't want to interrupt <laughs> you saying it. The the idea that just this I can do, it's it's such a wonderful way to break down the everyday in life. It's okay, this looks big, but I can do this. I can do this much.
0: For sure, for sure. All right. So see you till the next time. Yes. I'm not sure when that will be, but I'll see you soon.
1: I do hope it is very
0: soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. This I Can Do is a podcast where creativity meets impact. I enjoy hearing from you, your comments, your questions, and your downloads. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to engage, connect, and be inspired a little bit. You can hear this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Check them out on Afripods, Jamit, Amazon Music, Apple, Spotify, and of course, Podbean. This interview was captured virtually by Zencaster. I used a Blue Yeti microphone and Bose headphones. I edited via GarageBand with tech production support from Tevin Sudi in Nairobi. Till next time, let's keep listening to the This I Can Do podcast, hashtag TICD podcast.